Welcome to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture. I'm your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. Byron, in the first episode, we talked a little bit about the hang-ups we have with church, but we didn't necessarily speak to uh, the things that are happening personally right now in our lives pertaining to church. We have some, some things happening that, uh, that cause us concerns and frustrations. There's things that we... we uh, we grapple with on a week-to-week basis, both me as a pastor, but you as, I guess you would call yourself a layperson right now, right? Yeah, I'm a congregant, however you want to say it, layperson, either way. But last, in the last episode, we talked about how you kind of have a tumultuous relationship with church ministry. You said that you have ministry um, endeavors that you pursue in, I guess, I don't know, would you call it the secular world? I really hate using that language, but. I mean, yeah, I, I work with special needs children, um, who are living in a group home. So that requires a lot of patience and care. You know, it's not an easy job and they don't pay very well. So it feels like ministry to me. Uh, very similar to what I experienced, not getting paid enough, having too much to do. Um, and I feel like you get very little appreciation. So it, it feels a lot like being employed in the church to me. Needless to say, um, we both have some hangups. I'm currently a lead pastor the church that hired me hired me knowing that I have some hangups with church, but there's also things I desperately love about the church. And I think you would say the same as well, right, Byron? Yeah. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, please listen to the first episode of this podcast called This Is Us. Is that what we called it? I think we called it This Is Us. I was <laughs> you trying to titled it, it, dude. I don't know. <laughs> this Is Us, because that's such a popular NBC show. And I was definitely trying to make it sound like a because we called it our meet cute. This, is, our, this about, is us fan podcast. Yeah. This is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was what I was going for. I was trying to show our intent right out of the gate. But basically me and Byron have known each other for a long time and we decided to do this podcast because we care desperately about things of faith, but we also live in culture. And so this podcast is a podcast dedicated to talking about some of those tough issues, issues where faith and culture intersect. This is also a podcast that is trying to be as, as legit as possible. Um, so we were sort of sponsored. And on our last episode, Byron shared our sponsor because it sounds like shameless self-promotion for me to talk about it. But I think since you did it last week, I guess it's probably only fair that I talk about our sponsor this week, right? I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, I, 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 I pitched your book once. That's it. That's all uh, you get. So the sponsor is, is me. Because I wrote, a, I wrote a thing. I did a thing, and it's called The Millennial Pastor. That one time they gave me a church at 28 years old. Dot, dot, dot. I can't even. Dot, dot, dot. And that's what it's about. It's about being a millennial who is thrust into a position of leadership in a church. And that is where our podcast, The Millennial Pastor, gets its name. And that's kind of the vein from which we, we draw our, our insight from is that, guess what? We're young millennials, and millennials tend to be absent from church but there's some of us that have still remained it seems interesting to me that a lot of the hang-ups millennials might have with the church don't change whether they're still involved in the church and leadership or or attending a faith community um, as opposed to those outside of the church well that's one of the things that you know your book gave your perspective of your first year as a, as a lead pastor and that was really interesting to me but and the whole point of like this podcast in the first episode is us talking about ourselves, you and me and our hangups and all like, you know, how we feel. But the, I think the, the major point of this podcast is not to hear from us. There are other people 
who are millennials in leadership roles or like myself, just, you know, people who are a part of the congregation who help with different ministries or whatever. And that's kind of where we're supposed to be. I feel like this whole thing is to get other perspectives besides just your, the two guys who grew up together, you know, each other for the last 20 years and are idiots when we get back to, we're back to being 14 when we get to hang out again, you know? Unfortunately. And you can hear all about that in the first podcast, but yes, like Brian said, this podcast is to share the perspective of the millennial the good, the bad, the ugly, as it pertains to issues of faith and culture and where they intersect. So as promised, we have a guest on the show today. His name is Will. Will, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Will Certain. I am the older, better, more favorite brother of Byron Certain, who's the co-host of this podcast. And then I, uh, I, I pastor a church, a rural church in Missouri. Um, and I'm married to Nicole and have two little children who are girls, and they are awesome. The older, better. Byron, isn't there a joke? Is, is I that, mean, I wasn't going to bring it up, but yes, Will's the favorite child in our family. <laughs> and I like to bring it up to my mom, and she doesn't like it, and I think it's funny. But <laughs> Shout out to Mama Certain. Hopefully Although, she's listening. I wasn't going to bring this up because I didn't want to bring up the whole favorite son thing, but I think I found a way to surpass Will. Have, no. have more children? <laughs> No, I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> I think two is good for me. I don't I don't have any yet, but we'll see what happens with that. But um, no, my parents both made a comment the other day about how several of my friends are writing books and I haven't written a book yet, but either has Will. So <laughs> if I write a book and get published, because we have also some other pastor friends who, co- who co-wrote a book together about Advent that their church is actually going over right now, partially because their pastor is one of the authors. Um so they were just like, yeah, you haven't written a book yet, but you have several friends who have written, bo- have written books. So I'm going to write a book and I might surpass Will. Who knows? So coming soon, folks, I'm sure in the weeks or months ahead, we will hear from Byron and the book that he wrote just so he could get in the good graces. Of and that's Mama what I'm going to call it. Now I'm the favored son by Byron Robertson. <laughs> well, and you know what will be great about that book is that you'll now just have a second uh, sponsor. So that'll be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking of which, if you'd like to sponsor this show, please visit our website, themillennialpastor.com. We would like more legit sponsors. Anyways, moving like on. A Will. legit sponsor, not more. Like <laughs> a legit sponsor would be great. Like an, like an actual real life sponsor <laughs> would be great. Anyways, we'll get our interns on that. They'll maybe track down some sponsors for us and we'll we'll have some more legit sponsors next time around. Anyways, regardless, we, we've invited Will on the show because Will is kind of uniquely positioned in churchdom to uh, lend his perspective. Uh, I, I wanted to share a little bit of the theme, the trend, what we're talking about, Will, and then you could kind of give us your thoughts on it. We, me and Byron kind of discussed our hangups with church, um, what we think church should be, shouldn't be, the things that we like or dislike. We kind of like to extend um, that, I guess, formatting that those questions to you as well to hear what you think what do you think the church is and why are you a part of it well i i mean i I think that's a pretty major question um that's something that we just have to i think keep defining for ourselves as we kind of keep interacting with the church um and 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 as as our generation kind of takes on more of the leadership of the church we're going to change kind of our understanding of it. I don't, I don't think we'll change the definition of it, but we'll change what that looks like in our culture um, and how it interacts with 
with our society. But for me, I, I think that the church is, is simply the people of God and, and God has chosen, which I, this, I'm getting ahead of myself here probably, but this is why I'm still part of the church. I think um, God has chosen us to be his people. He has chosen the church to be his people. But what's cool about that is, is that not only has he chosen us to be his people, but he's chosen us to be as the church to be his presence in the world, you know, to be that, 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 that temple of the Holy spirit to, to be where, where God intersects with the world, with the world. And, and so that's for me, the main reason um, why I'm still in the church and why I still think the church is important because God chose the church to, uh, to be his presence in this world. So, so I guess to unpack that a little more, we, we have this numbers game that the world likes to play. We have research, we have media, we have all sorts of statistics. And they say that, that us millennials, and I know, Will, we joke around with you sometimes, you don't think you're a millennial, but technically <laughs> you fit into the generation that was born in the 80s and 90s that would be categorized as millennial. Yeah, I'm the first millennial. So maybe you're I should, the, yeah, maybe that's you set, you be, set the tone. Yeah, I guess, I guess. You, I'm sorry. You're the one, we looked up to you, Will. We looked <laughs> you up apparently to you have years. ruined this country, Will. Good yeah, job. Thank you. Yeah, if you ask a few people, yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but by and large, millennials are... In relation to the church, the generation most absent from whatever church is defined as. So if you're if you're saying it's defined as the people of God, which I would I would echo that. I would agree. I would say I think that's a pretty good definition for the church. Then what do you think these stats are saying? And I guess re reinforce kind of why you still would consider yourself part of that church thing. Sure. Um I think the stats you're probably referencing are, and, and I get it because we're, we're very, you know, this podcast is about our culture. So it's about the West um, because we we find ourselves in the West and you're, you're talking specifically about Western millennials, specifically United States, North American yes, millennials. So, so that makes sense. And so I don't want to, so I don't want to ignore that either. And I'm not going to, but, but I, w- but I will say like the, that the church obviously is universal and not only is it universal uh, and, and when I mean that, I mean that in um, around the world, it's global, um, but it's international. Universal. Yes. Yes. But it's, it's also universal in the sense of time. Um, and so, so, so it's beyond, you know, right now, uh, you know, we're, we're brothers and sisters with Abraham, you know, the, some people might call him the father of the church or whatever. Um, so, so the church is just so much bigger than us bigger than this time period bigger than this 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 nation bigger than than our culture um so i think i forgot the question the original question but (laughs) well i was asking uh you you kind of were already answering a little bit why you're still engaged but kind of maybe the focus of what we're talking about or why we're even talking on a podcast or sharing this with the world is that there seems to be a lot of effort placed on trying to figure out why right, millennials okay. disengaged. I got you. Sorry. So, yeah. So, one, so, so the reason I went to that, though, is because that's not the case globally or internationally or however you want to say that, globally. Um, <laughs> that it, you know, when, when you look at, like, South America, uh, the church is, is growing. When you look at Africa, the church is growing. And a lot of those folks are millennials. 
Um, but again, yeah, I, I, I get the point where we're talking about a different culture. So I don't, so I don't know, for me, it's helpful though, to think of it that way, instead of just, instead of just looking at it, uh, from, uh, from a North American millennial perspective. But I think that, that obviously we need to, we need to figure as Westerners, we need to still engage with that problem and, and still, um, find ways to be faithful, uh, to Christ and his church in, in, in the midst of that. Um, so yeah, the numbers and things like that, I, I think, you know, I think we have to kind of take it with a grain of salt too, a little bit as well. Um, and, and, and think about, you know, what, what, what the church is. And, and now I can't even remember, uh, who, who it was, but one of the early, earlier church fathers had mentioned like a, like there was being two churches and one of the churches was kind of like this silent, um, this not silent, but, but invisible church. Uh, and the other was the visible church. And, and oftentimes the, the visible church was, uh, was not really the church. It wasn't it, like the, so, so the visual visible church would be like what we portray, um, the, the, the numbers game. And then the invisible church was the, the people who are actually faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And, and I think, so I think if we're not careful, if we just play that numbers game, that's what we're really looking at is we're looking at this visible church. Um, and, and, and we get caught up in that, that, you know, I don't know. And I think there's some ego involved with that. I think there's, you know, some pride involved in that. Um, well, if we look at of like real faithfulness, yeah. If, if we look at Christendom, the emphasis and the focus turned into a, a power game, an influence game. And so sure. as a result, that's why there's these grand cathedrals that, you know, they're beautiful. They're amazing. You see them all over, you know, Europe and different parts of the world. But that's exactly kind of what was focused on. What you're talking about is, I guess, that visible side of, you know, I'll use the, the, the term loosely church because perhaps my biggest hang up as a millennial and I'm trying to separate that I'm a pastor from it because I, in some people's minds, I could be part of the problem. Um, but, but the biggest thing up I, I have oftentimes is just how much money and energy and time is put into a building. And then that building then can oftentimes in particularly in North America, or maybe most more specifically in America can sit idle and empty all week. So you have this building that could cost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and it literally might get used two or three hours a week. And that just drives me batty. But, but it's helpful to, to understand that invisible church perspective as well, because I think what is so creative and interesting about churches internationally is that oftentimes they're not defined by a space. They're not defined by a building, but they're defined by the people gathered the time that it, that they gather, the day that they gather, or or just who is actually gathering. That's that is what the church is defined by, and I think that's. So the next question I would put to you, and I'm going to answer it for myself, and and Byron, you can kind of talk about reiterating what you don't like or what you do like if you feel like interjecting as well. Um, that's what I love most about the church, but it's also the thing that sometimes drives me nuts as well is just simply the people. Um, the people are. Sometimes the, the reason I hear why some our age would leave is that someone said something rude, someone said something uh, judgmental, someone said something critical. Um, 
nor- normally it's an older person saying something to a younger person. And sometimes we can play the game of also oh, people need to not be so sensitive or whatnot. But at the same time, I feel that the people are also sometimes the greatest part about the church as well is because like the scripture says, when we gather together, something mysterious can happen where God meets with us and moves and leads and speaks to us. Yeah, no, I would echo that completely. Like when you asked me to think about that before the show, that, you know, the best and the worst is, well, the best is obviously Jesus's presence in his church, but the, but, but the second best would be the people and, and the worst would be the people, right? Because, because we're fallen, broken people in need of the, of, of grace upon grace upon grace. And so, so we're obviously the worst and I put myself in that as well. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we, we are, are terrible. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the thing. And so I think we have to be careful that we don't. So, so now back to the West and into our culture, you know, what our culture likes to do is, is, is it's an us versus them thing. And, and we have to be careful as millennials, but as anybody, but as millennials to be like, no, it's those old people's fault. Um, it's, it's them who are pushing us away. It's the, you know, the greatest generation, the, the baby boomers, whatever, um, that the Gen Xers or whatever that are pushing us away from the church when really like we're part of the problem too. We're actually just as much a part of the problem as anyone else um, because we're sinners in need of grace. And so I think when we look at it that way, I, I think that's helpful because we're, we're part of the worst, <laughs> but what's <laughs> awesome. But, but then I'm, but I'm not saying we stay. I'm not saying we stay in despair, right? I'm saying, I'm saying yes. We have to realize that we have to realize that we're part of the problem. But the next thing that we have to also realize is that we're part of the best too, and just like everybody else, we're part of the best through the work of, of, of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our lives and in the life of the church. We we are part of the best part of the church. Um, as well, because God uses us, even us, even me, brokenness, sinner, uses me to do his work, to, to participate in his work that he's already doing um, in, in this world, and, and to be part of that redemptive uh, recreation of, of the world. And, and that's the coolest thing about the church for me. Um, and, and the best part is that God is using us, like our brokenness, our our sinfulness and, and, and he's transforming the world through, through us. And so that's why, you know, I'm just bunching together a hundred questions here that you'd ask, but that's why I'm still here. You know, like that's why I'm still part of the church um, because, because I, you know, I get excited about being a part of that story of God's story of redemption. Um, and then that's what he's, I mean, so that's why the church is so big because he's inviting us into that, not just some, some time where we meet on a, on a, on a Sunday morning or, or whenever you, you gather for, for worship, but for corporate worship, but, but all the time, like, I mean, we're invited to that as his people. Um, and it's just, it's just really a, a, a cool thing. Uh, when, when you, when you consider it, when you, when you take time, when you put down your cell phone and you take time to think about, uh, man, the church and what Jesus is doing through his people. Well, I think too, the going back to the invisible church and the and the visible church, part of our problem culturally has been that the the visible church is these massive buildings that seem to stay empty most of the time, or the people who like 
I, I can't get my, I can never forget this. When I was in college, I watched an episode of Wife Swap, which was a ridiculous show to begin with. But this lady, <laughs> but totally worth it. But this lady claimed to be a Christian, and she just the whole time was just rude and terrible to everybody, and just yelled and how told them that they're all sinners and treated everybody like garbage. Was she um, the one that was yelling and screaming at yeah, the end of the episode? Absolutely. She had the short black hair. I, you might like have watched hair. this with me, but it's been I'm a, almost like, sure. I we yeah. like, might have even watched it in a class or something. Well, I think. Well, I watched it the first time in a dorm room with several other people from our hall, and you were in. You, it was freshman year, so we were roommates, so you were probably there. But she was the worst. Like it was terrible. But the thing is, like, like I don't want to give credence to the whole fake news thing. But our media does tend to latch on to the the negative stories, and very rarely do they promote the the good stuff people do. So there are churches doing some amazing things, but the stuff that gets out there is that like this pastor had an affair, this person was embezzling money, this person you know all the, this church you know did all this terrible stuff. Like there's all kinds of bad news out there, um, and that's unfortunately in our culture become the more visible part of the church the hypocrites, the, that kind of stuff. Um, and so like, even though I don't think those people represent Christ or who I am in Christ and like what I, what I believe when people think of Christians, they think of that junk, unfortunately. And so we, as the church have to find a way to be a part of the solution. So last time, uh, Will, you weren't there, but we talked about the reason, one of the reasons I'm still a part of the church is because as much as the church is broken, in my opinion, it's not going to change with people just being on the outside. So like our generation is part of the problem, but also can be part of the solution because you're right. We are the worst and we are the best. (laughs) So we have to be, we have to continue to be a part of the church. If we plan on it ever changing or getting any better. So to build on that idea, um, one of the things I had asked Will to think and consider sharing with us is the unique style and approach that he takes to, to being a pastor um, and before you do that, well, I want to just compare it to what I do. And so we can compare and contrast because to echo that sentiment, to live into that, I, I agree. I think millennials need to participate. Um, if they're going to complain about something, then they need to be willing to do something about that thing they're complaining about to try to bring about positive change. Otherwise, if you're going to complain about something and do nothing, then just, just be quiet because if you're not willing to put some skin in the game, that's just my own little personal thing. If you're not willing to put skin in the game, then I guess you really shouldn't be complaining about it. If you're not willing to put in some effort or time to bring about some positive change to something that you care about that you're frustrated with. Um, but but to, to be, you know, an example or to show what we are doing, what what churches are willing to let young people like me and Will and even Byron do um, is, is an interesting aside to, to focus on, to share, to talk about, to see. You know, this is the the best and the worst, but God's still using us in spite of ourselves. One of the things I shared often in my book is that I didn't really feel like I was equipped or ready or qualified or able to do the job that I was called to do by this church. Um, But a classic lead pastor or sometimes called senior pastor role and one that I feel like I'm in um, is one where there's basically one pastoral staff member. And so in our denomination, and we all go to Nazarene churches, that is our denomination, the average church size is around 60 to 80 people. And my church would be considered probably an average size church. And so based on tithing, based on numbers, based on finances, there's just the one pastor. And so it's kind of a generous title to call me the lead pastor, because sometimes I jokingly refer to myself as the only pastor. And so oftentimes (laughs) what that means 
is that I am delegating to volunteers and to lay leaders to do certain ministries in the church. So I have to, to be on my A game um, with communicating with the children's ministry workers. So our entire children's ministry is run and operated by volunteers. Same with our youth ministry, same with our senior adult ministry, same with our wood outreach ministry, same with just the people that even come and clean the church. And so that's a pretty classic, more traditional. And when I say traditional, I would say in the last 50 to 100 years uh, model for pastoring in the church. Um, But then with that comes some questions. And this is where, Will, I would love for you to interject in just a moment um, how you kind of spend your time, what your pastoring model looks like. So for me, being the only pastor, being the only paid staff member, I have to make decisions on a daily basis, particularly since I would be considered bivocational or co-vocational, meaning that um, I spend my time doing other things to either make money or allow my wife to work because my church doesn't actually, as my my district superintendent generously says, fully fund my life. Um, So I'm not paid full time for, for the job I do. Anyways, there's days during the week where I have to make decisions okay, how much am I spending on actually sermon prepping versus responding to emails versus calling people back versus delegating tasks versus spending time with the community, being in the community that I serve, being engaged with the culture around me. And so sometimes those decisions are pretty, you know, daily routine, but sometimes they get a little dicey because there's only so much time in the week for me to get the things done that I, that I would like to get done. But for you, well, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I pastor a mega church, and I'm just bringing in the dough, so I have all the time in the world. You know, to do That's not what I was saying. Oh, my goodness. No, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. No, it is different. So I, I'm in a different setting uh, completely um, than I've ever been in in my life. Uh, so I, I'm in a rural church setting. Um, but it's In the Midwest. In the Midwest, in northwest Missouri. Um, and I'm in the Pacific Northwest, right, so right, com- different cultures, oh completely, yes, completely different cultures, different, different struggles, different, yeah, different, all, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so we, and I'm, I'm fortunate to also be in a position where I have, uh, I'm a co-pastor. So, so I'm not a, a senior pastor like Josiah, who's not my senior, but he's a senior <laughs> pastor. Um, Call me a lead pastor. Oh, okay. The only pastor. The one pastor. Um, the only pastor. So I'm a, I'm the a one pastor to rule them all. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't resist. <laughs> well, he did oh. write a book, so I guess sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not on par with Lord of the Rings, though. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'll agree with that. Um, oh, my goodness. But anyway. I, well, you might Shade be Gollum. Right? Oh, my goodness. So, uh, but yes. So... I, I co-pastor and, and so that's been like a really unique thing. And a lot of co-pastors, at least in, especially in our denomination are, are uh, married to each other. So they're, they're husband, wife. Um, that's not the case uh, here. Um, I'm not married to the man that is my co-pastor. Um, and <laughs> there's and he, an age differential there's a, too. Right? There, there's a big age. So he's, he's my dad's age. Uh, so, so yeah, there's, there's quite a big, big age gap there, but it's been, really an amazing experience to 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 learn from him but also to be given you know kind of free reign of ministry in a sense as well and so it's you know working together is really hard sometimes I mean marriage is really hard co-passion is kind of like that in a sense um it's just it's 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 tough Communication's hard like you know and and the leadership of the church is hard to share at times um, or to be on the same page and things like that. But 
overall, like it's been a huge um, blessing to both of us and to both of our families to, to experience this co-pastor thing. And, uh, and, and, and so, yeah, so it's been, so it's been, it's been nice to do that. I think one of the big things for us here is that being rural is, is new to me. So I'm kind of sort of from Phoenix in a sense. I mean, we kind of grew up in Phoenix, went to school there and everything. And so that's a huge city. Then I moved eventually over time. I moved to Kansas city for seminary, which is also a big city. Um, and then now I'm up here. And, and the thing about here is, is that your neighbor really matters um, because you're going to see your neighbor. Uh, and when I say neighbor, I mean, every, all 4,000 of us in this County <laughs> are neighbors because we, we, you know, you're going to run into your neighbor and, and, and relationships matter here. And so people kind of go out of their way um, to, to converse, to talk, to get to know each other. And so, so, so for my, my time, and I am full time, uh, f- full time here. Well, you're at a mega church. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yep, huge. Um, our county's four thousand, so yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole anyway, county goes to his church. It's it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's the <laughs> only church. That, yeah, that would be crazy, really crazy. Um, but yeah, so we, so for my my time, I actually don't spend a ton of time in the office. Um, I spend most of my time out in the community with people. Um, so we're rural, so we're farming community. So, you know, I'll be riding, you know, the other, it, it's been like a week or two, but I, I was in a combine and, you know, cutting beans the other, the other day and, and just things like they that. They let you, know. you drive combines? They would. I did not, I did not drive this time. I actually tell them no, because I know how much those things cost. So there, you know, when you're in a combine <laughs> with a combine head on it, it's about a million dollars. Yeah. Um, oh my so goodness. depending, and depending on the combine, it could be more than that. It just depends. And on I've you. driven in a car so, with you. So yeah, skip that. I know. Right. For real. <laughs> um, but you can only go like five miles an hour. So it's not like I hit anything. It's just, or anything too crazy. It'd be like a rock or something, ruin something. But anyway, um, so yeah, just being out in the community with people, um, being in their homes, you know, like I'm, I'm in somebody's home um, at least three times a week, I'd say, you know, just people. So it's, it's, so it really suits me well. That relational side of ministry has been kind of a, kind of a neat thing, um, humbling thing to be invited into people's lives, sometimes in the, in the hardest times and, and in the best times of their lives. So, you know, I'm in those hospital rooms, I'm in those nursing home rooms. Um, I'm, I'm in conversation with folks when their spouses cheat on them. I'm, you know, I'm in conversation with folks when they've just been arrested uh, things like that, but I'm also at birthday parties for one-year-olds and and uh, anniversary parties, you know, and, and things like that. So it's been so it's a it's just a privilege and an honor to be a pastor and be invited in to those to those settings. And so that's I think where where the turn is for me as a pastor and where the opportunity is as a pastor is right, like doing relational ministry and and connecting with people and building that. Um, that relational equity or whatever you want to call it, capital, whatever, um, where, where you can speak into people's lives and they can speak into yours too. Cause I need, you know, it, it can't just be one way, you know, you and I have talked about that Josiah of like, uh, I can't now I'm, now I'm skipping in my mind what, what exactly we, how you worded it, but, but, you know, like coming to pastors as, uh, as what would you call a social conscious, um, Oh, um, uh, yeah. So like a cultural conscience. There you go. So basically putting pastors on a pedestal as if their opinions and views on everything sets the tone for everybody because they're 
supernaturally gifted with a better conscience than right. anybody else. Right. And so that's, so yeah, so to, to debunk that, you know, in your in relationship, you can let those folks speak into your life as well. And, and I think that's been cool for me because, you know, out here, um, we, we lean pretty heavily on, on a certain cultural side of things politically and all those good things uh, or bad things, however you look at it. And, <laughs> and so, so it's fun and interesting to be able to speak into that relationally. Like, you know, Facebook drives me crazy. Um, social media drives me crazy because what we do in social media is we pretend like we can actually have a conversation in social media. And what that turns into is just like sort of kind of a shouting through typing match where you mm-hmm. would say something probably probably on social media where you would never say to somebody else face to face. And, and so it's just, it's, you know, it just drives me nuts, but relationally you, you can say, you know, you can build a relationship, build trust with each other and you can challenge each other. Um, and, and you can, you know, broaden your, your perspective on, on things in life. And, and I, you know, I lean, I lean probably more to the middle on a lot of things than a lot of the folks around here. And so it's, so even me though, you know, listening, just listening and, and, and interacting through conversation with, with my folks here, um, you know, brings me along as well and broadens, broadens me as well, uh, as, as we continue to, to talk about, about things and what needs to, what needs to change and, and where the church is headed. So, yeah. Re- so I don't know. That's the longest answer to your question, but basically no, but it was good. the relational side is what I do most is what I do most, or at least what I you're try a pro- to do most. You're a professional talker. You literally get paid to talk. So this yeah. is what you're doing. So <laughs> I, I do want to note too, like, Obviously, Will is my brother, so I've known him. My, he's my older brother, so I've known him my, literally my whole life. Um, literally, and my experience too. Like, um, I've also pastored in Missouri, and in I, I was also in a rural area of Missouri, but just the opposite. I was in southeast Missouri, but it's also a farming community. Um, it's very similar as far as views and all that goes, but it is a different kind of. Like every other place I've served, like I, I, I pastored, I was a youth pastor in Kansas City. Um, I was in Hawaii for a while, which is also culturally very different. But like Missouri in the rural areas anyway. So wait, hold on, pause. Missouri and Hawaii are different? Yes, vastly. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and Byron was in like the south. So like the south side of Missouri, south, especially the southeast, you can't even, I mean, it's not Missouri down there that's like the that's the south you know so it's, it's just, well and he's right it's it is, they consider themselves the south but it is i was in the boot heel that tiny little sliver of missouri that hangs on that should really probably be arkansas or tennessee um i and, thought it was pronounced arkansas it's uh, not pronounced arkansas i mean it can be to you up in the you know the elite north northwest <laughs> of, the, of the country um no but like so our, our communities were very different in a lot of ways, but also were very similar because they're both farming communities in rural Missouri. Um, but it was weird because like I was the youth pastor. I also did outreach there, but like I was involved with whole families. Like the, the, we had like families that had generations, three generations going to the same church. And like, I was the person who was interacting with their teenagers regularly and the parents and then the grandparents and then also all of the cousins and like I knew entire families, not just like in Kansas City, I knew the kids and some of the parents would interact with me, but mostly I'd got ignored by everybody else in the church. In this church that I was at in Missouri, in Southern Missouri, it was 
I knew everybody. Like it's a community. It's so it's totally different than like a city church where it's like you do your job, you do compartmentalized ministry, um, and then everybody else does their thing. And then we don't really worry about how they interact because they don't. But well, we talked about this in the first podcast a little bit. We kind of grew up in more of that, I guess, professionalized ministry, a bigger church, slightly bigger city model where we had a, a one pastor that was the senior pastor over the entire church. But then that pastor also had numerous associate pastors who would carry about the business of the church, um, whether they were in specialized ministry roles or just admin roles. We had executive pastor, we had a youth pastor, children's pastor. We had all that stuff growing up. But that completely changes the pastoral model when, when there's a shift from, I work nine to five Monday through Friday in a church office, as opposed to, I go and hang out with families and part of my pastoral job is literally sitting with the mom and dad watching their son play football on a Friday night or whatever the, the circumstance may be. Yeah. So in a way, I see these, these stories that are being shared in these conversations that we're having. They're naturally the answer to the question that I was going to put to you at the end of this conversation, if you want to articulate it better or share any more about it. Um, but I was going to ask the question to you, Will, and also to Byron, if there was a thing to fix, like what, what do you think would be the first thing you would start fixing? But it kind of sounds like if there was an answer you guys would give, it would be just how you pastor. That would be your initial change that you would uh, want to make in the church, particularly if you are pastoring or engaging in ministry in the church to begin with. It was, would that be fair to say? Would you agree? To change... So if I were to change something to change the way I pastor or no. So I was going to ask you the question, you know, most millennials seem to have hangups with the church and they, they have things they don't like. And I think, uh, I think we have all shared grievances or things that we've seen the church do that maybe we would like to change. But if there was a thing that you would want to put your focus on and energy on doing first, what would be the first thing you would want to change? It kind of seems like we've all answered what we have already done to start changing church culture, pastoral care culture, pastoral perspectives, those sorts of things. But I was just going to ask if that would be true or if there's something else that you would answer to the question. If there was a thing that you would desperately want to change to, to maybe help the church, to fix the church, to, to bring the church in closer relationship with God, what would it be? Just one, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 the biggest one, the top yeah. one. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, how many podcasts are we going to do today? Um, <laughs> I don't know that because it's just that's just really, really hard. I mean, I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be too broad either. But the way that I mean, this podcast is going, I'm just going to be broad and cop out and say that, <laughs> you know, what we really need to change is us. And, and we can't do that. Obviously, we, we, we need to allow God to change us. And when I say us, I don't mean millennials. I don't mean pastors. I mean, all of us. And, and we have to approach church through through god's perspective um and and not through our own so so our you know and 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 obviously everybody is shaped by their culture and we are shaped by our culture we we view church um as as a sunday slot at a building where we go and we consume a product because that's what our culture has taught us and raised us up to be um that we're raised up to be that kind of a people and and we need to allow God to change that in our lives and, 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 and to, 
and to see what the church is actually supposed to be. Because when <clears throat> when we do that, we we don't care what the worship style is. We don't care who sits next to us. We don't care um, whether you vote Republican or Democrat. We, we don't care about that stuff anymore because it doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that we have gathered together to worship our God and creator um, who, who loves us and who, who has a great story, um, not just to tell, but to invite us into, to live here and now and into the future for eternity. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I copped out there a little bit, but that's, I mean, that's, that's our biggest, that's our biggest need. And so how do you do that? Well, that's for uh, next week's podcast. Tune in. Um, I'll be back. No, I don't know. But, but, but yeah. So to not, so, so to prevent you from copying out, I'll just put it to you blankly. Are you part of that work? You said God needs to work in us to change us, to change our perspectives. Do you see very simplistically, very bluntly, do you see just how you pastor as part of that work to maybe change that perspective, that culture, that idea? Do you think that what you're doing is maybe the beginnings of that? I hope so. <laughs> you know, that's I, fair. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope so. And that's, that's, that's kind of my, my prayer. Um, you know, as, as I engage in, you know, in the work, in the work of the church, you know, and I, I don't know why, but I just, I just thought of um, when you were mentioning that and, and me engaging in that, I, I, I just thought of, you know, the end of Psalm 19, you know, and, and that has kind of been my prayer throughout the years. Um, not like consistently, like not like every day, but throughout the years, I, I remember that Psalm. And I think about those last, that last verse there of like, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, you know, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And, and so I, yeah, that's my prayer. And that's my hope that, that, that I can be that <laughs> in, in this world and, and project that um, as a leader in the church. That's fair. I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I appreciate that, Josiah. Thank you. Well, thanks Lead for your pastor, time, Will. Or senior pastor. My senior pastor of pastors. Oh, my goodness. Well, the thank you for millennial taking millennial pastor. The one oh. pastor to rule them all. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, if we're going to give nicknames, there needs to be a better nickname than that. That's terrible. <laughs> the pastor who shall not be named. Got it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's even worse. Oh my goodness, yes. that is the worst. This is the best podcast ever. I'm just, Anyways, I'm just gonna say that. So, so to recap, uh, this podcast once again is about millennials talking about the intersection between faith and culture. We just heard from our literal brother Will Certain, older brother of Byron, the co-host of this podcast, favorite son of Mama Certain. Um, but if you would like to engage further with us, with this podcast, with these conversations, then please find us on Facebook. We have a page. It's called The Millennial Pastor. We have a Twitter feed. Rev Millennial is our handle. We also have Instagram, the.millennial.pastor. And you can also find us on the good old internets, themillennialpastor.com. If you haven't noticed a trend, it's pretty much the same name everywhere you go. <laughs> Branding. Right. Good job. Branding. Yeah. And again, and, the whole point of this podcast is to get more perspective than just the person who wrote the book, which, by the way, I said it in the first time, but it is a very good book. I, I recommend you read it. It's, it's good. But like we do want to hear from people. So if you listen to this, if you have something to say, I mean, if you think that we're off our rockers, too, that's fine, too. Just maybe be subtle or not subtle, but like be nice about it. But like 
let's be civil and have a conversation. That's the whole point of this whole thing is to get more perspectives and, and to build a community of people who can share and talk about ministry and how that does, how our faith intersects with our, our life and our culture. So we'd love to hear from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So until next time, join us. We're going to hear more from millennials who happen to be pastors talking about where faith and culture intersect. But until next time, I am your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. And if you want to hear more about what millennials think, or you like hearing about the faith-based work they're doing in culture, then join us next time on the Millennial Pastor Podcast. It's over.